The altar is open. And by that I mean that God is ready to meet us. God is ready to speak to us. He's ready to meet us as we are. We've sung, if you paid attention this morning, we sang of grace. And then we sang this contrasting song or thought of God's holiness, how holy he is. And then we sang of the altar being open. What does that mean? It means God's ready. We don't have a physical altar like there was in the tabernacle and the temple where you would approach God. Because of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came and indwelled those of us that have put our faith in him. And Jesus is ready through his spirit to meet those of us that have committed to him right where we are. And what if you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ? What if you're, you're not a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ? Is he ready to meet with you this morning? Yes, he is, because the same spirit is speaking to your heart as well, calling you to come near. He's speaking to all of us to come near. The altar is open. God is ready to speak to you through his word this morning. So I'm sorry you got to hear this voice, but the voice you really need to hear this morning is God's. Can you say amen to that? And so the altar is open. I invite you to come close. I'm going to put on my hat because... I hear my doctor's voice, and I hear, in all honesty, I hear my wife's voice. She wants me to keep my nose, so I'm going to wear my hat. God is ready to meet with us. He's ready to speak to us. And so our, our next few moments are intentionally turning our hearts and minds to the Word of God because we believe it is the Word of God that holds the truth. It's the Word of God that is His revelation to us of who He is, who we are, who I am, who you are, and why we're here. In fact, it was, it was uh, an apologist, Rabbi Zacharias, that is now with Jesus, but he, he was well known for saying this. He said, many religions, many faiths in our, in our world can answer, seem to be able to answer one or two of the big questions. You know the big questions, right? How did we get here? Origin, why are we here? How did we get here? Why are we here? And how can there be pain and suffering if God is real? And then where are we going? What happens after this body's done and what's after that? These are the big questions we've been asking from the beginning. And, and Rabbi Zacharias would say some religions seem to address one of them, maybe two. But he said there's only one person that, that answers all four questions, all the big questions. And he then would say that's Jesus Christ. He is the answer to where did I come from? When I wonder why am I here, I wonder what the purpose of my life is. He answers that question. When I look at my world and I say, God, how can so many people be suffering? How can there be so much pain and, 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 and misery in this world? Jesus is the answer to that question. He answers it with his life, his message, who he is. And then as you get older, those of you that are older, you, sorry, I didn't mean to look at Marianne in that moment, but I did. Sorry, I can't take it back. I know. She's going to move. She's moving. She's moving to the back row. As you get older, you begin to ask that question, man, my body's falling apart and it's hurting more and doesn't do what I want it to do. What's after this? What happens when this body no longer functions and I don't have breath? What's next? Jesus answers that question. Didn't he? Doesn't he? John 14, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place and... 
If it wasn't true, I'd tell you, because I tell the truth, and I'll come back for you, and I just need you to know that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and if you want to know the Father, if you want to know God, if you want answers to those questions, you're going to find them through me. Yes? That's what he said. Jesus is the answer to all of our questions, and in the next few moments, I want you to join me in God's word as we seek answers to those questions. Those questions feel more relevant now than maybe ever before. Yes? You watch the news, you watch what's happening in our country, you watch what's happening in our, in our communities, we, we see what's happening in our families, in marriages, how we treat our children even before they're born. And you look at that and you go, what is going on? Where did we come from? How did we get here? Is there purpose to this life? How do we explain the, the misery and the pain and the suffering? And is there something more than just this? Is this, am I stuck with this for all eternity? Wow, Sharon right away went, no, good thing, no. Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> God's word is where we're gonna find those answers and we need them now more than ever. My prayer as we spend some time in God's word this morning, my prayer for you and my prayer for me, my prayer for this church and my, the way I pray for our country, for our state and for our country, is that we would turn our hearts and minds to Jesus, that we would turn our hearts and minds to his word and we would find the answers we're looking for there. Which is why we're gonna study God's word together this morning. Why I'm not just gonna tell you what I think about what's happening. I could, I could easily fill this time with, here's what I think's happening. Here's what's happening politically. Here's what's happening economically. Here's what I think's happening in our medical, in, in our physical sense. Here's what's happening. I could tell you my opinions. I could tell, because I have opinions. Do you know that? <laughs> I have opinions. But that's not where we're gonna find the answers that we need to live this week through my opinions. We're gonna find the answers we need to live this week as husbands, wives, kids, brothers, sisters, in the family of God and in our biological family as community members of Sacramento and of this state, this great state, California and this country and even this world. How do we live that out this week? We're gonna find the answers in God's word. Would you just make me feel good and agree with me? I know we might be different places, but that's where I stand, and that's my story. How does it go? That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So join me in God's Word in the book of Jonah. We started Jonah last week. We started chapter 1, and we left him there, didn't we? Do you remember where we left him? We left him in a fish. We left him in the belly of a fish. Something that's interesting to me, and you can see this in your Bibles, you take it out, is at the end of each chapter, there's just kind of this, this statement. And you can take a look at that and, and see the pattern that is there. And at the end of chapter one, we find Jonah inside the fish for three days and three nights. For three days and three nights. Why was he in a fish? Because God had called him to go to Nineveh. Do you remember? The word of the Lord came to him and said, I want you to go and share my message of, of repentance because they're sinning and reconciliation or restoration. Isn't that the message that God wanted sent? You guys are wrong, people of Nineveh. 
book of Amos and Nahum and some others tell us about these people, the Assyrians. We know outside of the Bible, even historical records, you, you people are living wrong and that has reached my attention and you need to repent. And if you repent, you will experience my grace and restoration. That's the message. And what did Jonah say? He said, no way, Jose. He didn't, okay, he didn't say no way, Jose. I don't know if he had a friend named Jose, but he said, no way. And he went as far west as he could. You know, there's a, there's a similar moment that I find in my Bible in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus calls his disciples to come to Galilee in verse 16. And 11 of them show up. The 12th, Judas, we know he's not there. But Matthew says 11 disciples showed up. They went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him. Now pause there just for a minute. This is after his crucifixion, his burial, and he's resurrected. I think the worship is prompted by this fact. Jesus is walking towards them. He's alive. Don't miss that. That's significant to what's about to happen. Here comes, they're all there doing what they're doing. Peter's doing what he's doing. John, you know, we know these guys a little bit, right? They're arguing, they're whatever, who's the greatest, they're doing their thing. This is where he said, I don't know why he's late. You, you know, they're, ha they're having this moment and somebody goes, hold on, look, look. And they look and here comes Jesus and he's alive, he's breathing and he's walking. I think I stepped off the camera, sorry. He walks up to the, to the disciples and they worship him. They see him coming towards them and they worship him. But then some doubt. Okay, who here this morning is in that category? Come on, be real. Come on. You saw, he's dead. He died. Nobody? Oh, you, there's no Thomases with us here? Okay, good. Thank you. We have two, two honest Thomases in our midst. He's walking and they're worshiping him. He's alive. Can you believe it? But a couple went, is he really? Maybe it's a ghost. Well, you saw him eat the fish. I did, but I'm telling you, ah, it's hard to process this. And some doubted. I think there's a few more Thomases here than we're willing to admit. Some doubted. Jesus comes up close to them and he says, first things out of his mouth, all authority has been given to me. I love this moment because he steps into the moment of them worshiping him and doubting him. What exactly is happening? And he makes it abundantly clear. He, he removes all doubt. He says, all authority has been given to me. Okay, Jesus, what about death? Yes, including death. I've conquered death. Nothing can stand up to my authority. Satan, sin, death, the grave. Where is your sting? Paul would write, remember? He said, I've got all authority. There's no greater authority than me. And it's been given to me. I have authority over heaven and I have authority on earth. There's no one with greater authority than me. And as they absorb that, what does he say to them? With this authority, here I am in front of you. I'm alive. I conquered death. I rule in heaven. I rule on earth. There's no greater authority than me. I want you to go and make disciples. Go and make, okay, what's he telling? Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of what about Assyria, Nineveh? Oh, come on. Do you know these people? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, everything that you've seen and heard in me, because I have all authority. You've watched what I've done. You've heard what I've said. You've seen what I've done, what's happened to me. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I've revealed to you, right, hasn't he? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit in John 14, 15, 16. The Comforter, come. And I want you to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I want you to remember this. In fact, you need to remember this because 2020 is coming. And right after 2020 in California, 2021 is going to come. It doesn't feel a whole lot different than 2020 so far. You need to remember wherever you are that I am with you. And I will be with you until the end of the age. Let's make it personal to the end of your age, of my age. Maluli calls me old man. So my age is short-lived. I only have a little bit left, according to him. And Jesus will be with me until the very end. Can you affirm that too, brother? That he will be with this old man until the end of my age, until God says, come home. Do we get it? There's, there's no difference in Matthew 28 than, than Jonah chapter 1. It's God revealing himself to his people, to his prophet, to his disciples, and saying, take what you know, what you've experienced, what you have found in me, and go tell other people. Go make disciples. Jonah said, no way. The disciples, they went and hid in the upper room, didn't they? Trying to process this, and the Spirit came today this courtyard is here this this gathering this moment if you're watching online or if you're here in person do you realize this is happening only because those disciples obeyed that commission and they went and told and those people went and told and those people went and told and and paul goes and he comes to to the to, to what we know is turkey and he's going to go he wants to go east and god says don't go east yet i've got other people to go east i want you to go west i want you to go through greece i want you to go to europe and i want you to go that direction and so the gospel is going to go over there and eventually it's going to come here and here i am in this navy brat born in southern california in 1961 and lo and behold I'm born into a family. I'm the firstborn of these two young-to-be-married people. This Navy petty officer and this young woman, both of them from Sacramento, and they're down in San Pedro, and he's starting his naval career, and this little baby Brad is born, and it's me. And three days later, I'm in church. And from the day that I can be carried... I'm hearing about Jesus, and I'm watching it in my family, and my parents are telling me about Jesus. And I hear the gospel. Why? Because Jesus said to his disciples, go make disciples. And they did. Imperfectly, and they struggled, right? That's been true for 2,000 years. But do you realize we're here because of that? Well, let me, let me ask it this way. What's this area going to look like 10 years from now, 20 years, 50 years from now, if Jesus doesn't come back? Are there going to be people here going and making disciples because we were going and making disciples? Our kids, our grandkids, our neighbors, our coworkers, our... You following me? This continues when his disciples obey him. Jonah didn't want to obey him, did he? He runs. And we leave him in chapter 1. We leave him 
We left him in a fish. Chapter 1, verse 17. Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Pick it up in chapter 2. What we have in our Bibles is chapter 2, the continuing of the story, verse 1. From inside the fish. Now, these, these first, this first verse and a half of chapter 2, let me tell you what he does in chapter 2. He gives us a summary, okay, verse 1 and first part of 2, and then he's going to flesh it out. He's going to give us more detail, and then he's going to conclude chapter 2 with his conclusion, what he has come to affirm and to believe. And our goal this morning is to learn from this prophet in the fish, this prodigal prophet. So in verse 1, it, it's recorded for us, from inside the fish. Boy, if there's ever a loaded phrase, just stop for a second, okay? Think about that. From inside the fish, Jonah prays to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, no duh, in my mess, I'm in the stomach of a fish. I called to the Lord and he answered me. That's the summary. Jonah says, let me, t- let me tell you what happened next. Last time you got together and studied me, I was in the fish. I got thrown over the boat. I got swallowed by a fish and I'm sinking. Let me tell you what happens next. Inside that fish, in my distress, I called out to God. And what did God do? He answered. He, before he answers, he has to what? What? He has to hear. He has to listen. Right? He said, well, you're just play, being semant- playing semantics. No, I'm not trying to. Don't miss what's happening here. Jonah is in the fish. Why is he in the fish? Because he disobeyed God. Come on now. He ran away. He did everything he could to disobey God. And then he gives a little testimony in chapter one. Well, I'm running from God. And you guys need to throw me in in the ocean. I need to die, basically. He didn't know about the fish. And he gets in the, he jumps, he's thrown in the water. He's swallowed by a fish. And now in the fish, he says, I called out to God and he answered me. He listened to me. Did you see me spit? That's why there's no front rows up here. I apologize to those on, that's why people watch on live stream, by the way, for safety. He answered me. Don't miss that. You want to know who God is? There's a, there's a beautiful picture of who God is. Jonah is nothing but prodigal. He's nothing but rebellious. And he knows better, right? He knows better. He's served God. He has witnessed who God, he knows who God is and what God is about. Chapter four, he reveals, he knows exactly who God is. And he's running from God and he ends up in this fish, in the stomach of a fish, and he cries out to God. And in the midst of his distress, here's his testimony to the nature of God. In my distress, I called out to God and he answered me. I can't even get my wife to answer me on her phone in a store. Can I tell you a pet peeve? These things we have called phones. I think I left mine at home today. Whoa, that's weird. I think I don't have my phone. We go into a store and we have a pattern. Okay, as you get older, those of you that are older, you know, you get a pattern, right? So TJ Maxx, Marshalls, whatever, it's divide and conquer, right? We have the departments that we go to. The home, the clothes, kids, stuff, whatever. And so we do. We, div- we, grab a, we look like two old people. We both grab a basket, you know, and we go off to our parts of the... Well, when I'm done being a guy... I get on my phone and I text, hey, where are you at? Where are you at? No answer. So then the security people always find me because for the next 15 minutes, I'm walking this lap around the store and all these ladies are in the, you know, because I go to the ladies department, the clothing, and they're all like, why are you in here? Why are you looking at me? You know, because I'm trying to find my wife. I can't find my wife. Because I've texted her, texted her, texted her. And then I call her and 
oh, she doesn't have her phone on. She has it with her. It's laying there in the basket on top of her purse so she can see Facebook, but the ringer's not on. <laughs> I can't even get my wife to answer me in TJ Maxx. Jonah cries out to God from the stomach of a fish, and he's there because of his own rebellion, and he says, God answered me. Now, some of you can leave because that's what God brought you here to hear this morning. Don't leave. But if you do, I get it. Because what you needed to be reminded of, or maybe for the first time, you needed to hear who God really is. This rebellious, renegade, prodigal prophet of God who gets himself in a mess because of his disobedience cries out to God in the strangest of places on this planet, and God hears him and God answers. You with me? You fill in the blank. You fill in your current situation. You fill in where you are right now because of the choices you've made. And if you're in this place where I'm not, sh I'm not sure I can even come to church. I'm not sure I should, I should talk to God. I don't know what to say to him. I don't know what he, how he's going to respond to my sin, to my, to my running. Jonah tells you exactly how he's going to respond. He's going to listen and he's going to answer you. He's going to answer you. So he gives us the summary, and then he walks through, he fleshes it out. From the depths of the grave, isn't that interesting? Wouldn't it, if you were in, a, in the stomach of a fish, wouldn't it feel like the grave? Wouldn't it feel like you were like, this is it, you're, ugh. From the depths of the grave, I'm sinking in the water, I'm swallowed by a fish, I call for help, and you listen to my cry, you heard me. You hurled me into the deep. You used some sailors to do that, and you used a fish to do that, but don't miss it. He knows who's behind this, doesn't he? Doesn't he? You with me? Okay. You hurled me into the deep. You hurled me into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. The waves and the storm is going on the wind. He drops below the waters. We know up above it becomes, what's up above? Uh? Talk to Sam afterwards. It becomes calm. And he's sinking into the darkness of the ocean and your waves and your breakers. They he's describing this experience of being thrown over the boat and falling into the water and what it means for him. This is the end. Of course it's the end. But he's crying out to God for help. And I said, I've been banished from your sight. I'm wrong and I deserve this. Yet I will look. Literally, I will see again. I know that I, somehow I will see again. I will look towards and see your holy temple. The holy temple represented God's presence, that I'll be with you. The engulfing waters, they threatened me. Yes, because I can't breathe underwater. I can't swim for long in the middle of the ocean. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed is wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains. I'm sinking down to the bottom of the ocean. I'm sinking. I'm sinking. I'm sinking. The earth beneath barred me in forever. There's no escape is what he's saying. I can't get out. But you brought me, brought my life up from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. When my life was ebbing away, we could literally take that, that I had no more breath. I couldn't hold my breath any longer. There was no way I was going to survive. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. What did God do in that moment? He did something very strange, didn't he? He commanded a fish. We saw it in chapter one. Isn't that weird to you? Come on. It's okay. I go, God, what are you doing? He commands a fish. Have you ever seen the brain of a fish? They're very small. But God says, fish, go swallow that guy. The fish didn't go, well, oh, 
that's not my normal diet, and uh, I'm not sure. Um, he's got these nasty robes on. Looks like they haven't been washed in a long time. No, I don't, I'm just imagining. Go swallow, go swallow that guy floundering, and he goes and he, and he swallows him. I cried out to you. <laughs> okay, just I gotta pause. I know my time's going, but I gotta pause. How many would say? I've had that moment where I've asked God to do something. I've cried out to God, and he did something totally different than what I really thought should happen. Okay, so you know how Jonah feels, right? God, I'm guilty. I'm just, you, I understand why you threw me overboard and why. Oh, because I'm running, and I, you know, and I, I, I have hope in you. I'm still trusting in you, but man, this is the end, and I'm sinking. And what? Oh, have you ever smelled a fish? What fish breath might smell like? Can you imagine what the stomach of a fish smells like? I'm not sure I can. He fleshes out this journey that is taking as he's sinking to the bottom. And then notice he says this. He comes to a conclusion. And he, he's, gonna, he's a prophet of God. He's going to preach. He's going to speak what he believes. He says, those who cling. That at first you read this, you think, this feels like out of place. What, what in the world? No, this is his message to us. Those that cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace, literally the faithful love that God has for them that could be theirs if they chose God rather than a false idol. And this, this phrase that he uses here in Hebrew for idol, it's the Hebrew word that we get breath or vapor from. If it was colder, I could breathe. You know when it's cold and you breathe and you see the breath for a second, then what happens? It disappears, right? It's gone. That's the, that's the picture here. He said, if you choose to cling to these, really what he's saying, anything other than God, if you cling to worthless idols, these vapors, then you forfeit, you walk away from the grace that God wants to give you. Now, what false idol is he talking about? He doesn't tell us. Can I tell you my opinion? I say that carefully if you're listening online. This is my opinion. The Word of God doesn't tell. I'm going to tell you what I think. I think his idol was pride. I think the idol that he was clinging to was pride. He was a prophet of God, the chosen people of Israel. And he and Jehovah were like this. And Yahweh, Jehovah, would speak to him. And he would go and do it. And he would speak authoritatively for God. And then God comes and says, I, um, I want you to go to those people over there and tell them of my, my love. They need to repent, turn from their sin, and I'll forgive them. No. Right? He told God. He told Jehovah. He told Yahweh, no. I can avoid this. I, maybe, he thought, I can keep the message of grace and repentance from making it to those people so that they die in their sin. Is that fair to say it that way? I think it is. His idol is pride. I think his idol that he was clinging to was pride. Everything that he had tried to accomplish, how did that work out for him? Nah, not so good so far, right? This, this vacation that he's taken to Tarshish in Spain... How's he enjoying Spain? He's not, right? He's in the belly of a fish. And he cries out to us, when my life was ebbing away, I cried out to God, here's, here's what I know. Those who cling to worthless idols, those who cling to anything else other than God will forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, Jonah says, me, as it, it goes with me, I'm going to, with a song of thanksgiving, I'm going to sacrifice to you makes me think of my dear friend Gary, who's with Jesus. Remember Romans 12, 1 and 2? He said that at least once a week probably in all the 30 years that I knew him. He loved that verse. 
This idea that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to God. Jonah says, I'm gonna, my life is now a sacrifice to God. With, with a song of thanksgiving. Hold on, where's he at? You know, he's, he's singing. You went, did that make any sense to anybody except Amy who laughed? He's in the belly of a fish, and he says, with a song of thanksgiving, my life is yours. I will sacrifice to you, make a sacrifice to you with joy, with thanksgiving. He's in a fish. With thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. And what I have vowed, hold on. All we know, we're told, is that he vowed he wouldn't go to, to Nineveh. Somewhere in this journey, something's changed, hasn't it? And we know that by chapter 3. He says, what I vowed. What has he vowed? He's vowed that he's going to obey the word of God that came to him, and he's going to go to Nineveh and tell them. Now, we'll explore how he does that. Stay with us. We've got more to experience with Jonah. But in this moment, he says, I will keep the vow that I've made. I have made a vow, and I will make it good. I will act on it. And here's my, here's my life declaration. Do you see it there at the end of chapter? Your chapter 2, what does it say? Salvation comes from the Lord. Is he talking spiritual? Yes. Is he talking physical? Yes. Is he talking relational? Fill in the blank. Yes. Yes. You need to be rescued. You need to be saved from whatever it is. You're going to find that in who? The Lord, Jesus. He says, this is what I know. Again, from the belly of a fish. From the belly of a fish. Actually, verse 10, I, there's one more verse after that, isn't there? Because chapter 2 ends kind of like chapter 1. The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. I could preach a whole message on that, that is because I was a youth pastor for a long time. The idea of, a, of, of being vomited out of somebody's mouth is just very intriguing to me. I'm sorry, it is. It just, it's weird, and it's just like, what was the experience like? I mean, did he have any warning? Did he hear grumbling in the stomach? Did he have that feeling in his lightheadedness because the fish was ascent, you know, going up to the top of the surface? You know, did it wiggle up to the shore and then he just laid there and waited and then all of a sudden the muscles of the stomach just, you know, pushed him out? Or was there other stuff in the, I don't know. Sorry for those of you watching online. You can edit this before we put it out. But God commands the fish. He tells the fish what to do and he does it. And he's vomited up onto shore. And we're going to see what happens next in chapter 3. Let me, let me do this. Let me look at when I'm supposed to be done. I'm supposed to be done like in one minute. Okay. Can you listen a little bit faster? Can you do that for me? Okay. And we're going to do this. There's, there's four lessons here. There's four um, principles that I believe at Jonah. This prophet in the belly of fish, he's calling out to us and saying, hey, here's what I've learned and here's what I want you to know. Can we run through them really quick? Okay. Write them down if you're a note taker. If not, listen somehow capture some of these. Number one, Jonah is saying, you got to remember who God is and what he does. You want to love like God. So God, you tell me to go love these people. I don't want to love these people. God says, love first. That's who I am. I want you to go share the message of repentance and, 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 and reconciliation. And he says, no, I don't love them like you do. How does he go from that to now saying, I'm going to fulfill the vow that I've made and I'm going to do what God wants. Number one, he says, you got to remember who God is and what he does. You got to remember that God is a God of grace and mercy. 
that he's a God of love, and he rescues people. That's what he does. We forget that. Come on. We do. If you've known Jesus for a long time and you've drank deeply of his grace and you've seen him work in your life, it's easy for us, to, it's easy for us in, that, in that situation to forget what he saved me from. We forget. What, God, what does God do? He saves. Salvation is from the Lord. That's what he does. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save the lost. Why are we still here? Doesn't it seem like it'd be better to be in heaven? Sometimes I wake up and I go, yes. I watch the news and I go, really? What new can we do? How, how much more can we harm each other and hurt each other? And how, how much more can we be divided? How much more can we hate each other? And mistreat each other? Oh, I just want to be in heaven where we're loving each other, where the, the, the kingdom of God, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want, I want his will to be done. Anybody else? I want his will to be done in my life, in this state, in this world. But it doesn't seem to be happening. Why are we here? Remember who God is. He is patient. He is gracious. He is faithful. And remember what he does. What does he do? He rescues people. And he just rescues good people like us. God, forgive us if that thought's even in our, in our thinking. People of Nineveh is who God wanted to rescue. Let me give you a verse. I'm not going to read it time-wise. Colossians 1, 13 through 20. Read that this afternoon. That is who God is, and that's what he does. Number two, Jonah wants us to do this. He says, you need to repent from putting your will before God's will. Isn't that what Jonah did? And he learned the hard way, didn't he? He says, you need to repent if you're putting your will before God's will. How do we do that today? Well, we do, uh, we do it politically. We do it economically. We do it relationally, don't we? We put our needs before other people. I, if I hear one more person tell me that they deserve to be happy and doesn't God just want me to be happy, I don't know what I'm going to do. You might have to come visit me if you follow my... And I say that in tongue-in-cheek, but that's where we are. That's, what, that's where the church is to a large extent. We expect God to, 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 to do certain things for us. Here we are meeting outside. This, we had, we've had this conversation as leaders, and we've all affirmed this. <laughs> we love meeting outside, but only if we choose to meet outside, not when somebody else tells us we have to meet outside. All of your leaders will affirm that's, that's our hearts. Yes, that, this is beautiful, and we're, we're still building it. This is, this is amazing, all this stuff and all the setup, and everybody works so hard. This is so cool. But I want to be out here because I chose to be out here. If somebody else tells me I have to be, Jonah says, you got to repent from putting your will before God's will. And it may be very blatant like Nineveh and Jonah, but it also may be very subtle. It might be in your marriage. It might be in your parenting. It might be in your relationship with other people in your neighborhood. Anybody have a neighbor in their neighborhood that nobody likes? Okay, I've got my hand up because it's, we got that. It's my brother. Yes, I'll say it out loud. No. That neighbor that just, you know, they don't, they don't come to the block parties. They don't, whatever, you know, we just, I mean, whoever, they, you know. It might be in our relationships with people. It might be in our finances. Come on, can we be real? You ever put your will before God's will in your finances? Your health? 
What you do with your time, your treasure, your talent, who does that belong to? Jonah says you need to, if you want to take this journey that I'm taking and you want to love people like God does, you need to repent from putting your will before God's. Here's the verse you need to read, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 8. It's Jesus, and he left heaven. You remember the garden? You remember the garden? If there's any other way, Father, no, there's not. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Do you see that the Jesus models that? Isn't that crazy? The Son of God, the Creator, comes and lives among us, and then He models for us the struggle and the outcome. Repent if you're putting your will before God's will. Number three, Jonah is telling us, you need to recognize that your life is not your own. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm an American. I have rights. There's this beautiful document called the Constitution that, that gives me rights. Beautiful rights, right? This. The freedom to do this. And there's a, there's a list of them that the, the founding fathers got together and they started. We forget that it started in rebellion and revolution, but that we established these documents and said, this is how we're going to treat each other. These are our shared values. So I have rights. And I live in California. So do you. You can do whatever you want in California. Come on, right? Yes, you can. And don't you tell me that I can't. You're, you're, you're not accepting or whatever word you want to put in there. That's our cult. That is the culture we live in. The freedom to do, to be whatever you want. And Jesus comes along and says, no, in particular, I'll give you this verse, Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. He says, in fact, I want you to deny yourself. I want you to pick up your cross and I want you to follow me. You know my least favorite word in that verse? Anybody have a guess? Thank you, Dennis. Follow. I've told you this story before. I'll make it brief. But when I was, my kids were young and we would do the, 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 day thing what do you call it when you go on a field trip you go on a field trip and it, it would be all all moms except for me i was a pastor so i could get off work and i'd go and i loved it and they would assign kids to us we all had cars you know and they give us directions and then they'd put somebody in charge and say okay we're gonna do a convoy right we're gonna follow and here's the person oh i hated that moment in the in the in the experience because that person never knew the best way to go who knew the best way to go come on now that's right I worked for a delivery company when I was in college. I know this town. I know San Francisco. I know the best way to go. This map that we've been given, that person that, you know, has taken the wrong exit three times that's leading us, I don't want to follow her. Jesus is saying, you also struggle with following me. Your life is not your own, and Jonah is crying out to us. He's saying, here's what I've learned. You want to be aligned with God? You want your heart to line up with him? You want to love people the way God loves people? Then you need to realize, you need to recognize your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. You've been purchased by the blood of Christ. You belong to him. So deny yourself, pick up that cross, and follow him. And finally, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Jonah, I think, would tell us this morning if he was here, you need to rest in God's provision, whatever its form. You with me? Rest in God's provision. He's got you. He's, his plans are good. The future is good because he's taking, yeah, but God, I'm in, or Jonah says, I'm in the belly of a fish. What's the alternative, Jonah? Was the fish God's provision? Yes. Is the fish what you would have asked God to do for you? 
No, not me either. <laughs> I would have said, can't there be another boat in the area? Can't there be just like a dinghy, you know, a little life raft there or something? A fish? Jonah says, just rest in God's provision. His provision is good. Do you hear that in Jonah's words? I hope you do. God is good. And I will, I will praise him with thanksgiving and I will give to, I will fulfill the vow that he's asked of me. I will go to Nineveh. I will do what God has asked. I want to invite you to reflect with me for just a minute as we respond this morning. We're going to respond with songs of thanksgiving. But in preparation for that, I want to invite you to the Lord's table. If you're watching online, I encourage you to get the elements, the bread, the juice. If you're here present, we have the elements in these cups. There's a wafer, there's some juice. Because Jesus is very clear that we need to remember we need to remember. Let me, let me introduce these words of Jesus that I just referred to previously. Jesus in John 13, he says, I give you a new command. I want you to love one another. Specifically, I want you to love one another in the way that I have loved you, just as I have loved you. What happened in John 13? Do you remember? Oh, that's right. He washed their feet. Do you remember? Do you? You with me? Remember. The invitation to the Lord's table is an invitation to remember. Do this in remembrance of me. He had just washed their feet and he took his place back at the table with them. And he said, I've given you this command. You love each other just as I have loved you. Because here's what's going to happen. Look at verse 35 or, or hear my voice. By this and how you love each other, if you love each other the way that I've loved you, all people will know that you are my disciples that our hearts are aligned with his, that we're on mission with him. We're going to go and make disciples. We're going to, with, with his help, we're going to seek to love people the way that he has loved us. And so that night, with his disciples, he took the bread and he said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. that same Passover meal he took the cup, the third cup the cup of redemption and he said this cup is my blood which is shed for you all of you drink of it but do it in remembrance of me because as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim my death until he he comes drink Father, we love you with an imperfect love, a love a love that is sometimes weakened by distractions or discouragement or grabbing a hold of false idols. We thank you that in this imperfect love that we offer to you, in your grace and your mercy and in your love for us, you receive these, these sacrifices, these offerings of praise. love us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming. Holy Spirit, thank you for indwelling us when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
Help us to remember. Jesus, help us to remember the depth of your love for us. As we sing these songs, may may we sing from hearts that are overwhelmed with the depth of your love for us. We know full well our brokenness. We know what we brought with us into this moment. We know our sin. We know our failure. The only one that knows better than we do is you, God. And you love us. And your arms are open. Help us to remember that. Help us to sing this morning from hearts that are overwhelmed with that love. And God, my prayer for me and for everyone that is listening, everyone in this courtyard, when we leave this place and we go into the community that you have planted us, that we would go and make disciples, that we would remember that Jesus, you redeemed us. We belong to you. Our lives are not our own. Forgive us for our rebellion, our We repent from putting our will before you, Father, going our own way. I thank you for the call this morning to come back so that when we go from this place, we can go and make disciples. We can be salt, we can be light, we can be hands, we can be feet. We can be voices of hope because we've remembered this morning how much you love us. Thank you, Father, for your grace. We will fulfill the vow that we've made to you with a song of thanksgiving now in this moment. We lift our hearts and voices as one to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.